All right, John 7. I need a volunteer to open us up in that chapter. All right, Jeremy, let's go ahead and how about you read 1 through 9, nice and loud. As for this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea, because the Jews were still Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brother has yet to come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that it, that it works are evil. You go up to the feast, I am not going up at this feast, for my time I have not yet fully come. After this, after saying this, he remained in Galilee. Alright, thank you sir. Alright, what do we need to talk about? What are the first things that pop up here that we need to discuss so that we understand the setting of chapter 7 and what's going on? Zach? Okay, so after this, now what would the this be, Zach? Okay, after his teaching on the bread of life. Excellent. So after that. Now we're in Galilee. Someone remind me, where is Galilee? How would I kind of find that on a map of Israel? The region of Galilee. What would it look like? The Sea of Galilee. Oh, he's either like up here. So he's here. Yeah, so it's going to be in the northern portion of Israel. Good. So we're in the top. All right. Now, what else does our setting tell us in our first couple verses? Jesus, after this, so after the teaching on the bread of life, Jesus is going around in Galilee. What else do we see in our text that is kind of giving us the setting of our passage? Okay, he's not going to Judea. Now, Jeremy told us where Galilee was. Where's Judea? Okay, is it directly below Galilee? Off to the left. Okay. Do you guys know how to break down Israel that you kind of understand in just very simplistic terms? How many territories are there in Israel that we recognize in the New Testament? Not tribes, territories, like the regions. Okay, Ben says three. Blake, what did you say? You say four. All right, Ben, what are the three that you're thinking of? Very good. Judea, Samaria, Galilee. But Blake, you said four. I was guessing. You were guessing. James, you said four. I was just Oh, we're just guessing. Okay, we got All right, Nathaniel. Very good. Nathaniel, tell us that fourth one one more time. All right. Now, Ben, I don't know if did you know that you were giving me the order of them from south to north? Yeah. Okay, you intentionally did that. So, Ben told us which one's at the bottom? Judea, that's at the bottom of your map, southernmost portion of Israel. Above Judea is what? Samaria. Samaria. Someone remind me, what's the deal with Samaria? Half-breeds, they don't like each other. Do they travel through Samaria? No. No? Okay, then above Samaria is what region? Galilee. Galilee. 
Now we have this Perea, Nathaniel. Do you remember where Perea is? It's on the other side of the river. Good. So think about it this way. If you've got Galilee in the north, Samaria in the middle, Judea or Judah on the bottom, Perea basically sticks on the side covering getting the top to the bottom. Okay, does that make sense? So four territories, that's what you understand in the New Testament. Now, what else do we see here? Let's get our setting. So Jesus stays, says he's going to be in Galilee. He's not going to Judea. Why is he not going to Judea? All right, the Jews are trying to kill him. Are there not Jews in Galilee? Uh, Tuck Carter, will you go pull both those doors? Um, make sure to pull the right one first. It's the one that'll stick, and then the other one closed. All right, why do the Jews in Galilee not want to kill Jesus, and the other ones do? Different religious sects, okay. Pharisees and Sadducees? Okay. Mine says the Jewish leaders wanted to kill him. Oh, the Jewish leaders. What translation do you have, Addison? NIV. NIV? Okay. All right. So we've got some Jewish leaders. Okay. What else? Why do the Jews in the north not want or not care as much? Why do the Jews in the south care more? Yeah, they're all about making Israel great again. Great again. All right. All right. What's in the south? What's in Judea? What's there that's not in Galilee? You should know this. The temple. The temple. Good job. I, I like the unit. All right. What do you know about the temple? Why would? Why does that matter? That's where everyone goes to worship. Where everyone goes to worship. Okay. The God place. All right, that's where the more devout Jews are, okay? They're a little more secular, if you will, up in the north. All right, now we're introduced to something else. Look at verse 2. What are we introduced to in verse 2? All right, hold on. Okay, Let, so we're going to have to, we'll, we'll jot some notes down. Zach, what does your translation say? The Festival of Shelters. I like it. All right. Feast of Booze. Um, Zach, what do you have? Uh, what translation? CSB. CSB. What's NIV have? Uh, Festival of Tabernacles. Festival of Tabernacles. All right. Um, Caden, what's King James have? What verse is it? Verse 2. Feast of Tabernacles. All right. Feast of Tabernacles. Okay. Someone help me out here. Why does the Feast of Booths? also get called the Feast of Shelters, also get called the Feast of Tabernacles. And what is this feast? All right, let's start here. What's a tabernacle? All right, a place of dwelling. Okay. All right, Barry, you want to jot some of these things down? Okay, so we've got our Feast of Tabernacles, our Feast of Booze. We've got our Festival of Shelters. If you had a modern, modern, modern translation and call it Shelter Fest, um, making that up. Okay, now, a tabernacle is a place of dwelling. All right, what else do we know about this place of dwelling? What else do you know about a tabernacle? Wasn't it like you could pick it up? You could pick it up, okay. 
What's a? Do we have a word today that we would we would reference? Tent. Good tent. Okay. When you hear tabernacle, you need to think tent. Fabric, poles, throw it up, collapse it, throw it on the animals, and carry it somewhere else. Okay. Now, where does this come up? You're gonna. Uh, this is gonna be a special dispensation for you to use your phones for some research. What do we know about the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths? We need to find some information on this. Because we just can't read about some feast that the Jews have and move on. Because whatever's going on here, there's some expectation and some resistance based upon what's going on. Okay, so let's take a moment. Let's talk about the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Festival of Shelters. All right, what is it? Let's find some information on the internet. Or Blue Letter Bible. James, what do you have for me? Today's celebrated in September or October, two months prior to the Feast of Dedication. Okay, so it's in the fall, September, October. Mm -hmm. And it's two months prior to the Feast of Dedication. Do you know that... But no, now we just opened a wormhole. Now we've got a Feast of Dedication. What in the world is that? It's, a C no, it's on 1022. Hey... What Jewish feast happens two months after October? You know this one. Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the Feast of Dedication. Okay. All right, so let's let's go back to our tabernacle idea, though. James, do you have any more in the notes? Go to John 10, 22. Okay. He says, James says we need to go to John 10, 22. Okay, and we have at that time the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem, and it was winter. Well, that, that fact checks two months after October. Now we're in December. The Feast of Dedication, that's Hanukkah, okay? All right, but let's get back to our tabernacle idea now. What's going on with the Feast of Tabernacles? What do we need to know about it? Let's use our phones for something productive. <laughs> because people lived in leafy shelters God's faithful to Israel during the Okay, Tyler, read it again, but a little louder so that everyone back here in the back can hear you. It is called the Feast of Booths because people lived in leafy shelters to remember God's faithfulness to Israel during her long wilderness wanderings. All right, so what's going on, Tyler? Now explain to me in your own words, what are they doing during the festival of shelters or the Feast of Booths? They're living in tents to remember their Yeah, they're leaving their house to go out into a tent to live there. Alright? And that's to remember they're wandering in the wilderness. Alright, what else do we know about the Feast of Tabernacles? There's at least one critical detail that we haven't addressed yet. Let's see if we can figure out what it is. Did anyone find anything about the Tabernacle Feast that maybe we haven't addressed yet? Uh, Did anyone find anything on how long it lasts? Uh, You're guessing on seven days? That's what my phone says. Okay. What what website or source did you find, Sadie? Just Google? Okay. I just used Google and looked it up. Okay, that's fine. Google's just a search engine to get you to a website. All right. So, seven days? They put it on their roots. Wikipedia. Okay. You said that Blake says they would go up on their roof, okay. Anything else? Any other details about this? It was a time of celebration for the harvest. Was there Thanksgiving? Celebration for harvest, okay. Anything else? 
All right, let me give you the hint of what I'm looking for. It has to do with what plays out the rest of the chapter. Even what Jeremy read in the first nine verses. What else goes on at the Feast of Tabernacles? What do we need to know, what do we need to know about the Feast of Tabernacles? If I'm a Jew, it's time for the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm going to put together a little tent. I'm going to live in it for seven days. I'm going to celebrate or remember the time of wondering. It's the time of thankfulness for deliverance, thankfulness for the harvest. What else is expected of me at the Feast of Tabernacles if I'm a Jew? Probably the sacrifice. Okay. He's, Jeremy says go somewhere. Blake says sacrifice. Go somewhere and make a sacrifice. Go somewhere and make a sacrifice. All right, where are we going to do that? The temple. The temple. In Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, which is in what region, Blake? Judea. It's in Judea. They have to travel across the Mall, just everywhere, Okay, very close, Jeremy, but say that one more time and then we'll, we'll address it. They have to like, make a long behind journey for like three days, every, like, three times a week. Now, you changed your answer, but you got it, okay? Jeremy's telling us three times a year, every Jewish male is expected to show up at Jerusalem for a particular feast. It is, but they're used to walking everywhere. All right, so what are the three then? Passover, tabernacles, Let's find it. Hey, y'all got phones. How about instead of looking at Instagram or TikTok, we look at what does a Jewish man, for what festivals is he required to go to Jerusalem for? Isn't that one for... So Passover, Tabernacles, what's our third one? Isn't the one for Esther? Period. Someone find it yet? What, are the, what festivals is a Jewish male required to visit Jerusalem for? Booth and tabernacles is the same thing. We've got Passover and we've got the Feast of Booths. Megan, what'd you find? The Feast of Weeks. Okay. What's the Feast of Weeks connect to? Let's see if we. Okay, you've got Hebrew words, but we got to get some translation. Ah, so the festival of weeks is called what, Blake? Pentecost. Fifty days after the Passover, they're required to be back in Jerusalem. It's too much travel. Yeah, but Jeremy, think about this for a second. Their entire belief system is rooted in this. I mean, and let's be fair. Like, you come to church every week. That's like a six-hour drive and a three-day walk. What if Okay, great question. So, Sarah, typically what would have what would have been taking place? is that there would have been some allowance for people that couldn't physically go, that they don't have to go, or that they could make, someone could make a sacrifice on their behalf. Like, while God is a God of justice and a God of holiness, he's also a God of mercy. So he would have made 
provision for those who could not physically go to the temple, which is which is a big deal because um, when you talk about someone like the um, the woman who has the issue of blood for twelve years, for twelve years she's not allowed to go to the temple and do what she's required to do by law. Like that's a huge deal. Okay, so here's here's your setting now. In John chapter seven, you have one of three times a year that what is the expectation of Jesus to do as a Jewish man? He's got to go to Jerusalem. And what did he just say he's going to do? One more time, Blake. He would not go. That he will not go. All right. Now, we read through verses 1 through 9, so let's walk back through those. We've got our setting of 1 and 2. We know the context of our chapter. In 3, verse 3, so his brothers said to him, all right, now we see the word brothers. I've got a footnote there. Anyone else want to explain who are the brothers? Four brothers and sisters. Or brothers and sisters. Okay, what's that referring to? Ashley, what do you think that's referring to? What, brothers and sisters? Yeah, if I said your sister said to you, am I talking literal or figurative? Yeah, I'm talking about Abby. Okay, so who are we talking about now? Biological siblings of Jesus. They want Jesus to do what? Now why? Look here, look at verse 3. Someone tell me, what's their motivation? So that your disciples there may see the works you do. Okay, they want Jesus to go to Judea so that his followers there can see his works, see what he does. <coughs> they continue to speak. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now, what is happening here? Look at those verses again. Look at verses 3 and 4. And after you read through them, and you're thinking, what's going on? Look at verse 5 to give you the answer. What is going on when those words of 3 and 4 are said? Because verse 5 gives you the context. Jeremy, what happens, Mahias? What happens in verse five? Will you read it for us? For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Okay, so do his brothers believe in it? So what do you think they're saying when they say, "Hey, why don't you go down there and show your disciples your works?" Because anyone who's doing this kind of stuff doesn't do it quietly and in secret. You need to be doing this out in the open so everyone can see you. What have they just said to him? We don't want you. We don't want you? Okay, what else? Go back and read verse 1. What have they just said, Erling? They don't believe that he performs miracles. Okay, maybe that they don't believe that he performs miracles. Maybe they do. 
I don't necessarily think that's it. I think when you look at verse 1 and verse 5 and what they tell Jesus to do, I think we get a good visibility on what their hearts are. So they wanted me to die. They wanted to go die. Verse 1 tells us that the Jews in Judea want to kill him. And his own brothers say to him, why don't you go down there and do your works? No one needs to be doing this stuff in private. Let everyone see it. and Because we don't believe in you. Why don't you just go die, Jesus? Those people will put you to death. You guys feel the love? Just a warm and fuzzy feeling about from Jesus and his siblings? All right, so what's Jesus' response? Someone read Jesus' response. My Bible has it in red so we can kind of understand the differences. Please know that there aren't quotations in the Greek. Okay. Someone who hasn't read yet today. Megan, you've got to leave a little early. How about you read those verses for us? 6, 7, and 8. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it, that it works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. All right, let's walk through those verses. Someone tell me what Jesus is saying. My time has not yet come. What did he just say? Zach? I can't die yet. Great. But then what does he say? But your time is always here? Like, I, I haven't dug into that one, but, you know, there's part of me that wants to be like, well, you can die anytime. Like, is, is he spitting it back? Or is he just saying that, you know, this is the time of their not believing him? Okay. Verse 7, the world cannot hate you. Why can the world not hate them? Yeah, they're a part of it. They're a part of the unbelieving generation. But it hates me. Now, why does it hate me? Because it tells them that they are evil. Okay. The world doesn't hate you. It hates me. Because I'm telling the world that it's wrong. I have a question. Yeah. So, with his brothers and sisters, do they not, did, did they not believe it when their mom, Mary, told them about how Jesus was born? I wouldn't say they do. So she was the only one in that house. Her and Joseph were the only ones that you could say truly believe. Till after the resurrection, yeah. Because it seems very clear throughout Scripture. Um, you guys might remember these other examples, especially those of you that have been with us on Wednesday nights in Matthew. There's a time when Jesus is doing some working um, in a house, and someone's like, hey, your, your brothers and sister, your mother, your family's outside, they want to talk to you. What's Jesus' response in that scenario? Who are these people? Who are the, these people? Yeah, those that believe or those that are obeying my teachings. That's my family. All right. We have another reference here where it seems like his brother's like, why don't you go down there and do that? Like, knowing he's going to die. Okay. What's another reference? There's one at the cross on why his brothers, why would his brothers and sisters not take care of their mom at the cross? One of Jesus' seven sayings on the cross is to his beloved friend John, take care of my mom. Mom, recognize this boy as your son. He'll, take, he'll care for you. Why are his siblings not there? Think about that for just a second. Like, how much do you have to hate Christ that your biological half-brother is literally being put to death and you're not around to see it? Maybe they were around to see it. And maybe Jesus is just kind of being very poignant in his 
in his statement. But he clearly can't trust them with anything. So I would say all throughout Jesus' earthly ministry. I mean, because think about it. Any of you, like, dislike one of your siblings because they never get in trouble? You don't want to raise your hand on this bed? My siblings just like me don't get in trouble. Oh, they do? Oh, okay. Robert, do you get in trouble more than the other ones? You do? Who, does Jaleel ever get in trouble? Right. That's Brian Claire's walking home. Claire's walking home? She's talking about Alex. She's talking Yeah, okay. You understand that. Those of you that have siblings, even if it's not a regular occurrence, if you get in trouble for something and your sibling doesn't, even though they were kind of involved, doesn't that bother you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, that's because you're Christ-like with Daniel. Okay, if you don't care. Naomi, does he ever care? Yeah. Okay. Naomi says otherwise. All right, so when you consider that, he says, my time has not yet come. You guys don't really believe in me. You go to the feast. I'm not going because it's not time for me to die yet. And they left. Now, Jeremy, we kind of talked about this a little bit ago with the traveling. How did people travel for these feasts? What would that have looked like? Okay, they walk on foot. Think back to maybe Jesus as a 12-year-old. What does that context of a story tell you about how the people would have traveled back and forth from Jerusalem? What? They travel in caravans. Large groups of people. <clears throat> so lots of people together. Now, if Jesus travels in the caravan, what happens when they all show up to Jerusalem together? Is it visible or invisible? It's very visible. You're gonna oh, here's another caravan. Wait, what family is this? Because remember, these families are close knit. They live in close proximity. Do you guys hey do you remember Jesus as a 12-year-old being left at the temple by his parents? Yeah. Why is it that they travel an entire day not knowing where Jesus is? They assume he's in the caravan with the family. They travel as large extended family groups back and forth. Like home alone. <clears throat> like, yeah, like home alone. Yeah. Kevin McAllister is Jesus. No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and he lays all the traps for Satan. And he falls into all. Alright. No. Bad analogy. Bad analogy. So what you have is the whole family caravan goes without Jesus. Now I need someone else to read verses 10 through 13 for us. All right, James, go for it, buddy. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went not went up, not publicly, went in private. All right, James, let's pause there. So what just happened, James? They had gone up to the feast, and he also went up not publicly. All right, what does that mean, though? He did it privately, not publicly. Okay, so how did he travel? By yeah, he traveled by himself. Can one person slip in and out of Jerusalem relatively unnoticed? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. And think about it this way. Hey, you, those of you guys that know your New Testament, when Jesus is betrayed in the garden and the soldiers and the mob are coming to get him, do they know who he is? Do they have his picture on every, you know, light pole saying wanted? No. No. They don't know what he looks like. 
Now, how do they know who Jesus is most of the time? A caravan. They know about him. What? He's the one who is teaching. He's the one who has the following. He's the one who is performing a miracle. But if you have this Jewish-looking man who looks like every other Jewish man who walks in Jerusalem alone without a mega caravan, you're probably not going to think twice about it. That's not Jesus. No, it's just the guy who looks like Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't have all the things that go with him. He goes up very privately and alone. All right, James, 11, 12, and 13 now. Okay. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? But, but in private, the Jews, hold on. Well, he says, The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, He is a good man. Others said, No, he is leading the people astray. All right. Read through 13 as well. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly at him. All right. Now tell me what just happened. What's going on? Can you visualize this? He's leading them astray. Okay. That some people are saying he's leading people astray. Can you visualize what's going on? Look at verse 11. <clears throat> Describe what that would look like. Hey, have you seen Jesus? Yeah. Okay, now, set your, set your mind in, in this. You're inside Jerusalem. Caravan upon caravan is coming in, and you start to recognize, oh, this is the caravan of Jesus' family. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. This is Mary. Maybe Joseph is still alive at this point. I don't think he is, but... You start recognizing, oh, this is the family of, of Joseph of um, Nazareth. That's the family. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I don't see Jesus in this group. Where is he? They've been looking for him. They're expecting him to come in. Why are they expecting Jesus to show up? We've already talked about this. Why are they expecting him to show up in Jerusalem? Because he's a Jewish man and he's required to be there. And they're looking for him. And now there's this mumbling, this stuttering, this muttering going on. And some of them are saying, like James told us, they're leading people astray. Others are saying what? He's a good man. He's a good man. But what do we hear out of verse 13 that tells us of all that's being said, what is not being said? <clears throat> okay. I don't, Tyler, I don't know that it's they're not being truthful. They're just not being public about it. Yeah, they're not being public. They're making sidebar conversations. They're, they're leaning over to their neighbor and saying, hey, where's Jesus? They're, they're, they're having these private conversations. It's not public address. All right. Now we're at verse 14. And about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. So now several days have passed from verse 1. Everyone is now in Jerusalem. Jesus has made his private journey there. Jesus has worked his way into the temple. And there, what does he do? He starts teaching. Great. Addison, how about you start at verse 15 and read through verse 24. Okay. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. 
Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you are all amazed. Yet, because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. All right. So Jesus is teaching. What's he? Does it tell us what he is teaching? All right, but what's the response? Someone look at your Bible. What's the response when they hear Jesus teaching? It's in verse 15. Who hasn't talked to us today? <clears throat> Zoe, what's the response out of verse 15? When they hear him teaching, <clears throat> what's their, their response? Okay, now why do they want to know how does he know this? Because why? Yeah, because he didn't study. Now what does this mean? <clears throat> okay, yeah, they didn't see him in a, in a rabbinical school studying the law. Yeah, he doesn't have a doctorate in theology. He's not, he's not a Pharisee. He's not a Sadducee. He's not a priest. They clearly know this is just a common Jewish dude. And they're going like, how does he know all this? <clears throat> and Jesus' response is what? Now we get to verse 16. What does Jesus say about his teaching? Where does he get it? Comes from God. All right. Now, if they listen to what he just said, what did he just say? What did Jesus just claim? Zach? He does stuff through God's will. Okay, he does stuff through God's will. Yes, he will say that, but what is he saying? Yeah, that God sent him. He's not teaching some other school of thought, uh, the, <coughs> the school of Gamaliel or anyone else. He's saying, I'm teaching from the one that sent me. Okay, now we think like, well, duh, it's Jesus. Of course God sent him. They don't, they don't believe that. They struggle with that. So then he says the teaching comes from the one that sent him. If anyone's will is to do God's will, then what does he know? If your desire is to do God's will, then what is revealed to you? Look at the next, look at that verse. This is verse 17 now. All right, thank you, Sarah. So if you if your desire is to do God's will, you're going to know what the Bible says. Is basically what he said. Is there application there for us? Okay, to be discerning when you're when you're listening to someone speak. Students, if you claim to be a Christian, 
And do you know enough of your Bible that you can recognize false teaching when you hear it? Barry, that'd be a fun social experiment. It's just to start throwing out random false teachings and see if anyone gives me puzzled looks. Yeah, see, the problem is three of you, you wouldn't know what false teaching. No, yeah, but like now we're doing it. If you say you won't do it, you'll do it. I think three of you would catch me. It just depends on what it was. Exactly. I wouldn't know. Because if it's obvious, obviously you can say something. Right? <clears throat> right. If you said that Jesus didn't die, then you know everybody doesn't know. But if you say something like, oh, it's like some obscure story that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, but what if I just slipped it in, Ben? Like at the baptism of Jesus, and when God speaks from heaven, this is my beloved son. This is my created son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to it. Would you catch that I said the word created? Yes. But how many of you would have caught that if we weren't talking about you should be listening Okay, but students, that's you should know enough of your Bible that when you hear something wrong, that you go, that that makes no sense. Okay, there are lots of examples that we could we could use by that, but you should be able to distinguish between right teaching and wrong teaching. It's called, like Tyler said, being discerning. You can't just sit and listen and expect that whoever is speaking is going to tell you exactly what is biblically accurate. Humans make mistakes. Now, whether they're intentionally making that mistake or not, that's a different conversation. All right, back to our verses. <clears throat> the one who speaks, verse 18, on his own authority... So the one who speaks based upon what he has to say, what's that person looking for? His own glory. He wants his own credit. But the one who is looking for the glory of the one that sent him, what about that guy? He's truthful. Yeah, he's truthful. He says, has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keep the law. Why are they? Why does he say Moses gave you the law and you're not keeping it? Because they're big on like the Mosaic covenant. Okay, what are they missing on the Mosaic covenant? What's he say? You're missing this Mosaic covenant, this Mosaic law piece. Why are they missing it? Because they're calling him out on doing something. No, we'll get there. They want to kill him. They want to kill him. Hello. Murder. That's murder. You can't kill people. You want to kill me. Now, why is it they want to kill me? And then he presses in on this issue and their, and their inconsistencies. Now, what illustration does he give as to why they're inconsistent? I didn't hear you, Barry. Circumcision. All right, circumcision. Now, how does circumcision happen for a Jew? Obviously, it's a boy. What, Jeremy? Day. On the eighth day. If the Sabbath happens to be the eighth day, you know what they do? They circumcise him. It doesn't matter if it's the Sabbath or not. 
They choose not to abide by the Sabbath law because they defer the Sabbath rule to the circumcision rule. And Jesus says, you didn't even get that from Moses. Where does circumcision start? Abraham. Abraham. Long before Moses. He says that comes from the patriarchs. So you're willing to circumcise a boy because it's the eighth day, even if it's the Sabbath. But yet I healed someone and you're judging me. And he says, uh-uh, you need to stop judging this based upon appearances, and you need to start judging it based upon what? What, Jeremy? What's he say? Judge it based upon what? Yeah, righteous or right judgment. So you need to be consistent in how you interpret the law. 